Okay, so uh, I am going to attempt to um, make this sermon go a little shorter than, than normal. Uh, I have my timer here, and we'll see if that actually works or not. But we can try all kinds of things. Amen. Um, let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 22. You know, uh, uh, we are wrapping up our uh, little mini-series in the book of Acts on transformation. So we're walking through the book of Acts, we're to Acts chapter 22, and we've spent a number of weeks just thinking about and studying and learning about transformation, spiritual transformation, and how the Spirit of God really changes us, changes uh, not just uh, outward actions, but our inner heart and mind. And... Um, just to summarize a little bit, we talked about our before Christ experience, that transformation always includes an ex- uh, experience that happens before Christ. For the Apostle Paul, it was an incredibly religious experience, but just being religious doesn't mean that we're right with God, amen? And I uh, appreciate also uh, Cole kind of sharing his before Christ experience. And then the Apostle Paul or Saul went through a humbling experience. He was blinded on the road to Damascus. And he had a Jesus experience where he saw Jesus, he came in contact with, with Jesus and saw him as, as risen from the dead. And then he had this amazing wrestling experience. And I so much appreciate Cole sharing just the literally years of study and wrestling with what is true, what is right. And uh, uh, I love investing over $300 of, of books into books about baptism. Now, it may not be baptism, but whatever it is, uh, there's, a, there's a wrestling time. We see it in the Old Testament with Jacob who wrestled with God. And the, the, uh, the name Israel means to struggle or to wrestle. And uh, we all, if we're going to be transformed, we all must wrestle uh, at many different points in our lives with different things in the scriptures, in our minds, in our hearts, in our characters, who God is, etc., and then last, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how Saul had a full gospel experience and how he repented and made Jesus Lord and was baptized into Christ and uh, received the full gospel. And so now we're going to get to, today, we're going to talk about Saul's sending experience, ascending experience. And we've showed the picture of a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. Now, I'd like you to think about what would it be like if this caterpillar became this beautiful butterfly, and then the butterfly came out of the cocoon, and it's got its wings, kind of flaps them a little bit, and it just sits on the branch for the rest of its life. You'd think like, dude, butterfly, you can fly. (laughs) Fly. Well, I don't know. I've just crawled all my life. It's very easy for us to go through all these steps, but we never really fly as a Christian. We never really live out what for the purpose which God transformed us into and for. Does that make sense? So for what purpose does God transform us? Um, and oftentimes in the world... We see, we see self-help, we see transformation, we say, hey, you can change. Usually the purpose is for ourself. It's for self. But what, what spiritual transformation is, it's not about you. Amen? It's not about you. 
It's not about me. It's not even about us. It's about what God can use us for to continue to transform others, to continue to transform the world. Amen? Uh, when we skip this last step of being Paul, Saul Paul being sent out on his mission and in his ministry, it's only a matter of times until we start to regress. So if you can think about the, the butterfly starting to go back, and if he doesn't start to fly, eventually he's going to turn back into a caterpillar. No, I don't think that actually happens. But that is what happens spiritually. That is what happens as, we, it's, as a dog returns to its vomit. So we, when we don't grow in our scent by God, we can go back to those same struggles. So today we're going to draw two basic concept, concepts about this idea of being, uh, having a sending experience. That is that we are appointed by God for a specific task. Secondly, we are to go. We are to simply go. The goal of this time is for you to discern your ministry and mission from God and to get going. Amen? To get going. We're going to talk about why we need that. Okay, let's read here. Acts chapter 22, verse 6 through 21. But it happened that as I was on my way, Approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So here we see Saul's transformation does not end at being baptized. He, all along, God had, Jesus has in mind a sending, a mission, a ministry for Saul that he has prepared 
him for. Amen? Does that make sense? And so here we see, uh, first, the first point I want to make is just appointed. Appointed. Verse 10 says, uh, tell him all that he has been appointed for you to do, or all that has been appointed for you to do. Verse 14 and 15 says, the God of our fathers has appointed you. I want to skip back to uh, chapter 9 in the parallel version of this that Saul tells, Paul tells in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. It says, it says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel. And for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. That Paul was a chosen instrument of God's. He was appointed for a specific task, a specific mission, specific reason. Okay? And then if you go to... Uh, Chapter 26, Come on, Joel. chapter 26, verse 16, again, Paul tells his story once again in a few chapters. We'll get to that when we get to that, but I just want to briefly read these two verses, 16 through 18. It says, get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to the things which you have seen, but also the things which I will, in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Do you see the pattern? The pattern is that God has appointed Saul. God has appointed Saul. Here's some implications about being appointed. Well, that's fine for Saul. See, the truth is, is that we see all throughout Scripture that God uses all of us. Uh, amen? And He transforms us for a specific ministry in mission. We know this because 1 Corinthians 12 says that calls the church the body of Christ, right? And that how many parts are useful in the body? How many parts? Just one or two? No, every part has a part. Every part is important and is needed. And we also see the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go make disciples and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. He said that to the apostles. So we know that every disciple is being sent on a mission. Every disciple has a ministry within the church and a mission to outside the church. Does that make sense? And so all of us, just like Saul, are Appointed. Now, our assignment is not necessarily the same as Saul's, but that the principle absolutely is timeless because it's rooted in the character in the mind of God. It's rooted in the character of God. So a couple, couple implications with this idea of appointment. Number one, God has appointed you, not man. Okay? You are not appointed by any individual. You are appointed by God. Amen? That makes a big difference. If I am only up here because somehow I think a lot of you thought I should be, then as much as I love you and respect you, I'm going to be fairly nervous. Okay? But if I'm appointed by God, that makes all the difference. And believe you me, someone who is scared to death 
of doing everything that I'm doing here in my flesh, appointed by man doesn't make a difference. Appointed by God makes all the difference. You are appointed by God. You are a uh, chosen instrument. You are appointed by God. And this is where every time we see someone commissioned, we're going to talk about this, Elijah, Moses, Gideon, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, the apostles, Peter. Uh, every time we see this, this feeling of, no, not me. Uh, you, no, that's okay. Send, send someone else, right? So God appointed you. God appointed you. Well, wait a second. I'm too... I'm too sinful, I'm too afraid, I'm too busy, I'm too overwhelmed, I'm not equipped. We'll get into that in a minute, um, okay? You are a chosen instrument, okay? This right here is what? This is a trombone. This is a chosen instrument, the best instrument. Can I get an amen from the trombone players? All right, course Cole. All right, bro. That's what I'm talking about right here. Okay? And Connor. Though Connor gave up his chosen instrument. But God doesn't give up on us. Anyways, um, so think about the one who made this instrument, right? It's kind of a simple instrument, kind of why I chose it. Okay? Simple, but, you know, this moves up and down on... Why does it do that? Oh, because it's just kind of cool to have a slidey slide thing, you know? No, there's a reason. Why does this go up and down? Pretty good, huh? Changes the notes. Man, my lips are already sore. Uh, I'm sorry, I promised Christy I wouldn't play it. Uh, okay. Changes the notes. There's a reason. Everything, there's a reason. Why is this wider? This is a tuning slide, which might never worked. It was always stuck. Uh, <laughs> explains a lot of things. Uh, anyways, um, the, the maker didn't make this just to sit here and look pretty. Oh, look at that brass. It's so shiny. Used to be. Um, is that why the maker transformed a bunch of brass that with no into this shape just to sit here and be looked at for it to feel good about itself i'm i'm a trombone now i feel better about me no he did it to be played to make beautiful music now who's heard the trombone most of us okay how do trombone solos go well if you're really incredible Okay, I get at best, but honestly, on its own, it's kind of, it's, it's a, yeah. But in the middle of a grand orchestra, right? Do you hear the trombone? I don't know, you, a little maybe, but it adds, and it together makes a beautiful, beautiful sound. Amen? You are a chosen instrument shaped and formed specifically for a, to make great music. Amen? You're not cho transformed for yourself, but to be worked through. Amen? That's a beautiful thing. That's what, that's what Jesus said. You're my chosen instrument. Chosen you for this, for this ministry, 
for this mission. And it's the same for you. And uh, um, the more specific we understand our mission in our ministry, the more motivated we are. The trombone is not meant to be a trumpet. Well, I think, you know, Brad, he, he, I can see why he's chosen. You're not meant to be Brad. Why are you even thinking that way? You're chosen by God to do your assignment. Remember when Apostle John said to Peter, or excuse me, said, Peter said to John about John, to Jesus, he goes, well, what about him? What about him? And, uh, um, and, and Jesus, remember what Jesus said to Peter? What is that to you? You follow me. See, we get weird when we start comparing to one another. Well, they're not doing their mission. Why should I do mine? What is that to you? Well, there's et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, you follow Jesus, okay, appointed. Do you believe that God has chosen you? Do you believe that God has appointed you, okay, for a ministry, for a mission? He has. And when you live in that space, you start to flap those wings and start to fly. It's a butterfly, amen? Okay, secondly, I want to talk about this idea of going. Going. Chapter 22, verse 10. Jesus told Saul, get up and go. Go. Chapter 22, verse 21. He says, go, exclamation point. For I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Um, whenever there's someone who's appointed, we see this idea of I've appointed you, now go. Okay? Moses, Exodus 3.10. Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. I have chosen you, I've appointed you for a specific purpose and assignment. Now, think about it for a while. Maybe take the next eight years to pray if you want to go or not to work through your feelings. No, he says, Go! Okay? Um, Gideon, Judges 6.14, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Okay? Um, uh, 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 the disciples in Luke 10, verse 3, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Go. You know, uh, um, who's ridden in a jet plane? Okay? Uh, one of the favorite... My, one of my favorite parts of riding in a jet plane is when you get on the plane and you taxi out to the end of the runway and then it's like, you know, it's just, it just kind of calms down and then you hear the jet engines start to go and then what happens? They take the, take the brakes off and it's like, you know, and it's just like this power and this speed starts to, and you go and you take off and it's like, that's crazy. Do we realize what just happened? Millions or thousands, I don't know, pounds a lot, um, just now took off. That's amazing. You know, I had an experience one time um, where I got to drive a Jaguar XL, I think it was XLF or something like that, but uh, uh, that car right there. But this car was extra souped up. It was made specifically. There's only about 10 of them made. Uh, believe me, it wasn't my car. Uh, 
But there's only about 10 of them made. It was specially shipped. And the owner was like, hey, you want to drive that? I'm like, huh, what do you think I am? Like, of course I do. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he said, OK, well, go ahead. And I'm like, so you got like a racetrack around? Or you know, he's like, no, just take it up down the interstate. I'm like, ooh, will you pay the ticket too? <laughs> um, so I get in this car. Go ahead and show the, uh, yeah, that's the, I mean, it's like, it was a 2011, so this is, you know, an oldie now. But it was like, and it was just like you sit in, and it's the leather, and it's the instruments, and it's like, mm, yes. And could you imagine, though, if I just sat in it and felt the steering wheel, right? Or could, what would the, you'd think I'd be crazy, right? And, but you go, and you sit in I remember driving in the 30-mile-per-hour zone, and it's just like, and I remember getting on that on-ramp, and it's like, ooh. And it, this thing was 510 horsepower. 510 horsepower for a sedan, that, if you don't, that's a lot. That's like way too much. <laughs> you will never, ever need that. But I tested and uh, pushed down, and it's just like, and it's just like, this thing's going to take off. And literally it goes from zero to 60 in, le in less than six. It's like five point something seconds. I know. <laughs> and it was like, oh, man, the speed limit already? <laughs> I'm still a Christian. Still a Christian. Okay. But then it, then it was just like I had to hit the cruise or else, man, it's going to be, someone's going to get hurt. Okay. Um, what's, what, am I, what is my point in saying all this? God chose you. God's given you the power that you need in the Holy Spirit. But a lot of us, we don't ever hit the accelerator. We don't ever go. We just sit. That thing's not made to sit. You as a disciple are not made to sit. The more you sit, the more the engine gunks out, the accelerator doesn't work, the brakes have never been tried because they've never been needed. Right? You get the point? When we go, that's when everything functions the way it's designed to function. When we sit, we rust and we gunk up. Amen? Okay. Going, the going, so consistent with every commissioning, is the, the, the charge, the forceful exclamation point charge from God to go. Why? Why do you think that is? Because it's our human nature to want to stop going and sit. That's our human nature. And so we have to continually spur one another on toward love and good deeds, Hebrews 10, 24. That's why we must do that, because in each of us is a desire, because we're tired and we're weary and we're worn. To not go. Just give me some rest. And there is a time for that. There's a time for resting, but there's a time for going. So consistent with every commissioning is this, this principle of go. Going reveals our faith, and going refines our faith. When God told Moses to go, what did Moses say? I can't talk. In other words, I don't have the skills. God said, I made your mouth, I'll give you Aaron, now go. Exodus chapter 3. When God told Jeremiah, go, 
Jerry says, no, no, I don't know how to talk, and I'm only a youth. I'm just a youngin. God said, I'll give you the words. I'll give you a forehead of flint. Now go. Okay? When God told Gideon, go. Gideon said, hey, I don't have the strength. I don't have the respect. God said, I'll give you the strength. Go in the strength you have. Now go. And God called Isaiah. Isaiah said, no, I'm unclean. I don't have the righteousness. God said, I'll atone for your sins. Now go. When God told Jonah, go to the Ninevites, Jonah said, I don't like the Ninevites. I don't care. I, matter of fact, I hate them. I'm not going there. And so he went, but he went the wrong way. And so what did God do? Up oh, next. No, God doesn't give us up on us when we go the wrong way. He's like, mm, let's see. I'm going to have to make it super miserable for this dude until he gets the message. And so he got inside a whale or a big fish. Imagine that. Smelly, you know, too hot, no pillow, three days. Food was probably kind of fishy. Put that one in your uh, file away, Ellen. Okay. Okay. Jonah, uh, bottom line is Jonah's like, I don't have the heart. God says, listen, I have the heart. I don't even necessarily care if you don't have the heart. But you're going to go and preach the word in the Ninevites. Amen? That's encouraging to me. All these things. I'll get to Esther to save the Jews. Well, I don't know if I have the courage. God says, I'll give you Mordecai for encouragement. I'll give you the courage, Esther. Now go, because you were made for such a time as this. Isn't that awesome? And we go on after on, person after person, because I don't know what's going through your mind. Something going through your mind right now. Well, go. I don't have the strength. Go. I don't have the energy. I'm already well. Go. No, I don't care. I don't, I'm too sinful. Go. I don't have the skills. Go. We as humans, we are full of I'm not. But the one who's telling us to go is full of I am. And I can and I will. So therefore, we can go. I'm not skillful. I'm not talented. I'm not smart. I'm not influential. God says, I'm all those things and more. I'll handle it. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too overwhelmed. I'm too sinful. God's like, I know. Just do what I tell you to do and give your fishes and loaves. Give, just, don't give what you don't have. Give what you do have. Start there. I'll multiply it and make it work. Well, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do, and I don't even know if I want to do it. God says, I'm the great I am. I know how to do it, and I'm not tired, and I do know what to do. Now just get going. Amen? Some of us, we need to get in the jaguar of our ministry assignment. We need to get in the jaguar of our mission, and we need to stop sitting in it and enjoying the view and hit the old accelerator and go. Are you with me? That's when you start to fly. That's when you start to feel the joy of what you're made for. You weren't made just for yourself. You weren't saved just so you could be saved. As much as we all want you to be saved and you want to be saved, that's not the end. You're not that, can I say it? Big a deal. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, I saw this right here. Okay. You are a big deal to God. God loves you. Amen? You're important to God. But you're not the only thing that's important. 
God works through you because he also loves your neighbor. And he also loves your coworker and your classmate. And he works through us because he loves the people in Duluth. Amen? To send, to send to Sioux Falls, to send to Upper Michigan, to Marquette, to send to La Crosse, right? What's your assignment? What's your ministry? Let's get in that Jaguar. Strap in and punch it, Margaret. Amen? Uh, let's go. Okay, so this is transformation. The wrestling, the come to Jesus, the before Christ experience, the full conversion, and now the sending experience. Where are you at in that transformation? Wherever you're at, let's take that next step together. Amen? Amen.